Hello? Hello. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well, thank you. Good, good, good. So, I appreciate the email that you sent. Uh, I know that and, must uh, have been not <laughs> a lot of fun or a very easy thing to do at all. But, uh, no, you know, more of a point. It took me um, probably about an hour to write. Right. No, but, uh, you know, kudos to you. I mean, if, if, if people haven't had to do something like that, and, you know, of course, everybody has had to do something like that at some point in their life, because we all go off the rails a little bit. But uh, anybody who hasn't yet done that in their life probably doesn't appreciate just what a difficult thing that is to do. So I just, I really wanted to just say that there's a huge amount of respect for that. I mean, in me for that kind of turnaround. And that's a huge amount to be proud of, in my opinion. Thank you very much. So uh, did you want to read the email that you sent me? Um, I guess it was about a week ago, something like that. Yes, about a week ago. Okay, how does that? Uh, is that, is yeah, that okay? I can, I, can, I can go ahead and do that. Sure. One second, my throat is dry. No problem. All right. You got that. Uh, subject and apology. Good morning, Steph. For many months now, this has been in the back of my mind. I've lost count of just how many, and it's taking me a long time to write this. I feel anxious, and I almost want to cry. Several months ago, I sent you an email asking for a therapist recommendation for a friend in the Toronto area who was suicidal. I padded that email with manipulations. I went on a righteous tirade about someone else whom I, someone else I know, whom in our last conversation together called into question things that I believed in which, in which brought to the, uh, things that I believed in, which brought to the foreground the doubt and doubt and anxiety and fear of arrogance, my ability and my inability to defend myself. I believe there was something else in that email, but I don't remember what it was, nor do I have a copy of it. I should never have attempted to place such a burden upon your shoulders in any way, nor asked of you such. Oh crap. A uh, did it, did it drop? Pardon? Thomas left. Um, hello? He hung up. Oh, it, well, it doesn't say the, it doesn't say the call ended. It doesn't? No. Oh, oh, someone else hung up. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay, maybe it's just time uh, Oh, crap. Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> He's still on. I'm sorry, can oh, you hear me? Oh, yes, yes, I can. So sorry, go ahead. Do you need me to start that over? Was it still recording? No, no, it's, uh, it's totally fine. My apologies. I, I mute the server, but I clicked on the wrong Skype window and muted myself, so I apologize for that, but oh, please continue. I see. Oh, yes, thank you. I should never have attempted to place such a burden upon your shoulders in any way, nor asked of you such a favor without having a relationship with you personally or any sort of reciprocity that is to be justly expected. It was wholly inappropriate and I sincerely and from the bottom of my heart apologize to you. I also have a second apology. Several months ago, I, username Some Weird Gay Guy, was blocked from your YouTube channel. I was not even then, I was not sure even then when I was blocked, but I think I was blocked for comments in a true news video. I believe it was 
in the late mid in the late to mid thirties of the series, possibly thirty six or thirty four. Two numbers six and four. I usually mix up when trying to remember things. I made many comments on that on the video. I can't remember what they were, but I remember being embarrassed and ashamed by them shortly after thereafter. A common experience for me on YouTube. They were unnecessary and disruptive. They were insulting to you, to the people I responded to, and myself. And I deeply and sincerely apologize for my actions and any resulting irritations. I was going to close here, but I remembered something else. I was sitting in the chat during a Sunday call-in show, and I was doing sort of what I was doing on YouTube, saying stupid things and being disruptive. I came in near the end of the show, thankfully, and it didn't do much damage, but it's the principle of the matter that I feel I should say something to you about it. I sincerely and deeply apologize to you for the wrong that I've done. Thank you for taking the time to read this. And I was, I mean, thrilled and, and impressed to, to get such, such an email. I mean, I, th I thought it, it's, it's wonderful. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing that uh, you, you always hope that people are going to be able to achieve, but it's very rare. And I think because of that, you should be immensely proud of, uh, of that recognition. It's nothing to do with me. Fundamentally, it's, it's about your relationship with yourself. And I just, you know, wanted to compliment you again, uh, on, on writing that email because I thought it was, it was moving to me. And, um, it is, a, it, I really do understand what a difficult thing that is to do. So, uh, I just wanted to say how much I appreciated that again. Thank you very much. And what, um, was there anything that, uh, occurred that, um, uh, changed your mind about, what it is that you had been doing that uh, prompted this? I, I'm not sure. It's just sort of a, a general, sort of a general feeling of sort of a general feeling that I've been building up at a time. I, I remember on YouTube, I would, I would sometimes get reply comments. And when I was, you know, when I was wrong about something, but kind of arrogant or insulting or, or something like that. And I, I, I would just feel horrible. I, cause not, not only did I, not only was I wrong, but I insulted the person on top of that. So, it, and I was, I would dread going to my checking my, my comments. And I, I still kind of do. Uh, on my YouTube account, which I haven't been to for, for many, many months. Right, right. So it was sort of just a growing feeling of, uh, of what, if, again, if you don't mind me asking, what was the growing feeling that you think uh, prompted this change? Just that... Um, uh, okay. So it's a bit hard to it's a bit hard to explain. Um, I'm sure it is, and I you know I take your time. I appreciate it. it's a very difficult thing to put into words. So, I mean, I can keep asking questions or you know my usual annoying <laughs> Socratic endless nonsense, but um, uh, or you can I don't, I don't want to interrupt you if you're about to say. Um. Well, if you could uh, if you could keep asking questions, then maybe I could uh, I could I could uh, figure that out. Absolutely. Okay. Um. There's something that I mean. Anybody who does any kind of work on the on the internet uh, uh, deals with 
Um, and uh, whether you're in that category or not, I don't know. But it's it's generally you call trolls, right? And and again, that's a simplistic way to put uh, to put it with regards to you. But I'll just use that so that I don't have to keep saying the things that you did that were disruptive. You know, if you don't mind, just accept the label for the conversation, and you know, we'll we'll see whether it fits or not uh, in in the past, if not the future. And it's it's something that has I mean puzzled me for years, and uh, um, I, I have a tough time um, uh, I have a tough time understanding it, and that doesn't mean that uh, you know it's it's me good you bad or, or you know, me good trolls bad. I mean I really I genuinely have a tough time understanding it, uh, and the way that I've tried to formulate it in my own mind, and you can tell me if it you know makes any sense or not, is that there seems to be or the sense that I get is is a very a very deep, uh, fearful, and like it's almost an interstellar kind of isolation from people, a separation from people. Uh, I mean, on the, on the, I think it was not the last Sunday show, but the show before there were some people who called in with some uh, pornographic comments and things like that, and I, I, I can I can understand. I really can understand the excitement and the fun of that kind of stuff. Like I really can. I'm not. <laughs> I don't think people are just crazy who do that, right? I mean, they they're getting a, a payoff, right? They get uh, to shock people. That you know, they they know that they're alive because they're having an impact on people, and then people are reacting or responding. There's a shock value and so on. Exactly. Yeah, and and so, but it seems to me that there's you know below that sort of level of of giddy engagement and excitement and anger and self righteousness, which. I understand. I think. <laughs> I mean, we. I think we all have that, right? But I think. I think underneath that, there has always seemed to me to be a real kind of loneliness. Like, if I try to interact with people in a positive way. Oh, oh. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Sure. If I. Tr- okay. <laughs> Come on. If I try to interact in a positive way with people. I'm not going to be interesting. I'm like, no one's going to be interested in talking to me if I'm interacting in a positive way, but I can get people to engage with me if I, if I interact in a negative or destructive way. Uh, destructive, difficult, let's say. This is too strong. Well, people usually didn't interact with me. When I, when, at least when I was trying to say something intelligent, uh, positively. Maybe with the exception of the few people I talked to on MSN. But, but everyone else. Sorry, you were saying that they did not they did not re- respond to you if you said something positive or something uh, constructive. Um, right. And was that on YouTube or elsewhere? Yeah, like I, I would I would say something that I thought was was really intelligent that that was that I that I was kind of proud of that I that I had that that moment where I could. I could make a, a a really intelligent comment. You know, I don't I don't mean like maybe insulting someone with a with a a, a, a bad pun or something like that. But yeah, but something really like smart and insight, something right. insightful. And then yeah. and then I, I you know I check back in the video see if anyone would acknowledge that. And a, a lot of the time, no one would. I mean, you know, right. Kind of... No, and I th- I think I think I think it's really interesting what you're saying, and I think because I've always sort of felt that there's also this. It's a bit of lashing out for being ignored, if that makes any sense. It just, is that sort of fit with what you're saying? Yes. Uh, so I was certainly always, I always got the, the same thing from my parents and kind of like, uh, 
it's it's strange. It's kind of uh, like a half-assed encouragement that I always got from them. It's like uh, kind of, you know, it's okay if you fail kind of encouragement. And It's okay it's, if you fail, right, okay. Go on, go on. Sorry, I, that, I, my thoughts just went off in 12 million different directions, and I want to make sure I keep focusing on what you're saying. So sorry if you could just continue. Okay. Yes. Well, um, that, that was kind of it. I didn't have a – I'm not sure where to go from there, but it's just – it's one of those kind of, I guess, muddying the waters sort of thing where parents aren't completely 100% evil, but there's – seems to be this 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 thing like um I, my my father when i when i talk about uh about a career to get into he'd always oh you say something like you should get into heating and air conditioning would be a it'd be a really HVAC. easy job yeah. and uh work for the work for train and install air conditioners and just, you know pays well and it's an easy job and uh, these things like that and just things that blatantly insult my intelligence and well sorry let let me ask you just to be precise i mean you could obviously what do i know about your family but but just logically do you think that he knows that you're intelligent but is insulting it or do you think that he doesn't know that you're intelligent hmm I, I, I don't know. But it's a, that's an, and the reason I bring that up is it's an important distinction, right? Like, as if somebody comes up to me and says, you're a shitty flamenco dancer, right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> except for the outfit, I agree with you, right? Like, because I don't flamenco dance, right? So they, they're obviously mis- they're misinforming, right? Right. Uh, they're misinformed. I, and, and so they're not insulting anything that is actually attached to me, right? They're attached, you know, they're attaching... It's just something else. Like somebody walks up to me um, on the street when I'm out in my track pants and says, I really hate your dress. I, I can't really take it personally because I'm not wearing a dress, at least not over my clothing, right? So, uh, so, so the question is, is it an insult to your intelligence like he sees it and says, you think you're smart, but you're not, and, and he has a deep awareness, even if it's in a nasty way, of your intelligence, or... Is he just not really aware of it and is just saying this stuff without really knowing your level of intelligence? All right. Um, well, I, I do. Uh, he has, uh, of course, he had, well, not of course, but he has, you know, read things that I, that I, that I wrote. I, um, maybe essays, for example, um, when I was, when I first started going to homeschool for a couple of, for the first uh, few, the first, the first three years of that, I had him, I had him helping me with my homework all the time. When you were so homeschooled? He, yes. And who was um, homeschooling I was, you? I, I was taking online classes. And sorry, when was this in your life? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly how we're old I was, but um, six, six through eighth grade. So sixth through eighth grade, you were uh, not in in class with with other kids. Oh, oh, I was from from six, sorry, from sixth grade on to graduate high school graduation. I was um, I was in that homeschooling program. Uh, from sixth to eighth grade is when I was having my dad help me with uh, my homework all the time. 
And why um, why were you in that program rather than in school? Uh, well, at the the last year of school, I was uh, I was being, of course, picked on a lot, and I was incredibly angry all of the time. And sorry, the last year of school being the last year before you were pulled out. Sorry. Yes. Fifth, yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry. Grade. Just wanted to check. So fifth grade. You sorry. And I sorry to keep interrupting. I just always want to make sure I get the um, the, the the sequence right. So uh, from you know kindergarten through to fifth grade, you were in uh, a public school. Is that right? Yes. And based upon your YouTube name, some weird gay guy, you were being picked on. Was it because you were gay, or was it because of something else? Do you think, or some combination of a bunch of things? Well, I wasn't aware of that at the time, so that w I was a bit young for that. Um, well, well, but I mean, from what I've heard from, you know, and there's no, there's no universal gay experience, of course, right? But what I've heard from some gay people is that, you know, they knew uh, that they were different. They didn't know, obviously, in what way, but they felt that they were different from, um, uh, from, from other boys. And, and I don't know if that was your experience or not. Um, I, so this is kind of going maybe off track a bit, but I was... Well, you know, I, I was, my parents are Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. So feel in, in the sense, I felt different in the sense that I was convinced of my superiority, I guess, based solely on, uh, the, the virtue of, uh, being a Jehovah's Witness, I guess. Yeah, but being the chosen, right? The people who get into heaven. Right. And, right. right. The, uh. The Jews of America, something like that. <laughs> right. And the gays are the Jews of the Jehovah's Witness, right? <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> no, and, and look, I mean, with, with all seriousness, I mean, the, the, the group in many ways that I feel the most sorry for, uh, and, and I don't mean sympathy, like pathetic, but I mean, a great deal of sympathy for are, uh, you know, gay men and women born, born into fundamentalist Christian households have a, a shitty time. I mean, in, in, in so many different ways. Uh, I mean, it is the ideology of uh, the, the superstition of Christianity is, is anti-gay to the core, at least in the Old Testament and to some degree in the New Testament as well. And it's really, really rough um, to, to wrestle with that in that environment. It is. And I, I know I've talked about this quite a lot with my, uh, my partner and I, oh, I lost it a little bit. Um, but, uh, they always, they always attempted to isolate me. My father would usually just through propaganda rather than, you know, physical force. Um, but like my father would, he would, he would always say things like, you know, you don't, you don't need friends and, he would he would tell me these these horror stories about his childhood when his oh excuse me when his horrible friends would would come over and they would and they would to play with him and they'd break his toys and then they they'd go home and then and then and then uh, he wouldn't have any toys but their friends would have their toys at home it, it, and all that sort of thing right so he's sort of getting swarmed by these thuglets or these you know, little little kids who break his toys and then they have the toys and he's mm -hmm. left with none and so on right right and of course the, the the you know the the people of the world are so evil and 
and of the devil and, and, and all of that thing and all of that sort of thing. And and so he meant, sorry, he meant the kids in that. Like I'm trying to figure out what the oh, moral yes, of that yes. story is. The moral of the story is that uh, the kids who aren't part of our Jehovah's Witness program uh, are uh, evil and, and all that. Is that the moral of the story? Yes, exactly. Wow. Okay. Remember, and even uh, when I was... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, even when I was when I was very little, I had one friend, which would be my last for a very long time until about 19. This was before kindergarten. And I remember that I got into an argument with him about the the validity of the King James Bible versus the New World Translation, which was the Jehovah's Witness text. And nothing sort of just on the on the level of no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. That's that sort of thing. But it just Really, I, 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 don't, I don't have anything to jump into that. It's just kind of... Sorry, and, this and was a, a conflict that you had with, with your best friend, you said, up until about the age of 19. And how old were you when you had this oh, conflict? Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, he, I skipped ahead a little. I, I skipped a, f- a few things. Oh, good. Okay, because I, okay, I, I, I didn't want I to talk- feel like I was lost for no reason, but sorry, go on. Right. I talked about this recently, so I got a little confused, but... um. He was my friend up until he entered kindergarten. And then I mean, we, it kind of, it went steadily downhill, but well, it, it went like, uh, first it, it went downhill very rapidly and then it got a bit steady until, to the point where, uh, just stopped talking entirely. And, and what, sorry, why did it go downhill? Um, I, I don't know. I, I I can't I can't quite pinpoint why that was, but I remember. I'm sorry, how old were you when it began to go downhill? He was a year older than me, so that would be a year before I entered kindergarten. And I'm not sure exactly what age that would be. Right. Okay. Okay. So it was pretty early on, and you say that it went down. It stayed at a sort of steady level, and then what happened? And then can dropped off entirely, and then eventually we we moved to uh, another another city, so or another little town. So there was kind of absolutely no chance of of regaining that. And at that point, I wasn't I wasn't um, in I guess the right emotional frame to to. Um, where I, where I would have if I had the chance at that time to to start that relationship over again. I remember. And you went, sorry, friends. when you said he was your um, your your best friend, did you mean your only friend or or yes. one of a few? My only friend. Okay. Okay. So you tried to uh, to make it in in public school, but you were made fun of a lot. And what would you made what were you made fun of for? If you don't mind me asking. Oh. Um, being overweight, um, sometimes because I wore glasses, but I, I didn't really take that one very seriously. And it was pretty rare. Um, I didn't bathe very often. So I was a bit, um, as, uh, I was a bit aromatic as in I, I, I and sorry, you, you're talking about when you were a little kid, right? Yes. When I was a little kid. Right, so that would probably be more along the lines of you weren't bathed that often, not you just decided not to bathe yourself, right? 
I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that's important, right? Because otherwise it's an I did something rather than, you know, like if there's no food in the house, you don't say, I chose not to eat, right? Or if there was, you know, too much food in the house within eat, within my reach, you know, I then I overate. And I mean, I, if, if you were stressed and fed bad food and had access to junk food and restricted from exercise because you had to massage your mother's feet, oh, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up, right? But <laughs> but if there were all of those things, you wouldn't just say, well, I mysteriously became overweight, right? Yeah. Um, it's something that would be more done unto you, uh, if that makes sense. Well, even um, after I after the point where I would, or my parents was had stopped bathing me when I was old enough to take on that myself. I still, you know, maybe only once a week or something like that, and that wasn't quite enough. But um, <laughs> probably wasn't even close to enough. But but it's also something that that your family is supposed to help you with, right? Right, right. I, and look, I, I say this as a guy who went through that, right? I mean, kids don't really smell that much, but man, when you hit puberty and you get those man glands, right? <laughs> you get those hairy pits, uh, you start to stink up something fierce. At least I did. And uh, no one in my family told me anything. Uh, it ended actually, up being... That was, I'm oh, sorry? Sorry. Uh, well, I was going to say, that was before puberty, actually. Right, I right. Really, so, but, I, but I'm just saying that it, it, it was actually somebody outside my family who ended up saying, listen, you've got to start using deodorant. And, and that kind of been comfortable for him. But it wasn't anything that I noticed. It wasn't anything that I, I didn't sit there and say, I, I look like I smell like pig pen, but I'm fine with that. It's just I was in so dissociated and so on as a, at, that, at that age, I guess 11, maybe 12, that no one had, had told me within my family and it just wasn't part of the, you know, like I remember when I had to learn how to shave, I, I had to learn from a magazine. I didn't even know how to shave and you know, no one told me. And right. So there's, there's, there is a bit of a wolf child element and I, I don't want to put my experience into your life, but, um, it, you know, when you say I was smelly to me, that's, that's not a child issue. That's a family. That's a parental issue. I, I remember, like uh, after a while, after it would start getting uh, start getting kind of bad, they would they would uh, complain to me. Are you gonna go up and take a bath? Or I don't know if I was taking showers at that point, but uh, well, that's it's kind of relevant, I suppose. But uh, just kind of like uh, like I like I should have known better. Like. Um, No, I understand, right? Like, like you, you should have uh, enough respect for the family members to not smell, and they get kind of annoyed. Is that what you mean? Right. right. Like, you should know better than to stink up the place like this. Again, I'm putting it harshly, yeah. but I'm... yeah, yeah, pretty much. This seems to be the. Uh, the and why didn't you bathe? Right, that's an important question, and I, I, I think that it's it's a very important question because it's the first thing that you brought up in this context. Yeah. Um. I still, I still to this day kind of have, have, have a bit of trouble with it. Fortunately, I, I don't really smell that badly, um, even when I'm exercising and sweating. Um, but I like walking up to gay guys and sniffing them, so you would be a real exception because they just smell so <laughs> pretty. Let me tell you, they just, it's like putting your face in a bag full of summer wind. It's just beautiful. But you may be an exception, so that's a good thing to know. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, no. So, yeah, why? I mean, I think, I think, that's, I think it's a really important question. Um, and I think it's somehow related to the topic that you put in the email. I have no idea how, because this is all just nonsense amateur hour, but uh, yeah. I think it's an important question. 
Well, I the one t- there was an anomaly to this. One time where I didn't have trouble bathing, and we it was a time um, after we. Well, this gets to you a little history. Um, after I moved out of the original complex in which I had grown up to about eleven years old, I moved to sorry, another. You said I moved out. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. We the family. No, but that's it's it's interesting, right? I mean, the the, uh, the isolation is even in the language you're talking about it. Right? And this is just something to notice in yourself, right? Because we started off talking about this isolation. I'm not trying to pick apart every syllable, but you said, I think twice, uh, I moved out. Uh, and, of course, you were moved out by your family, right? I mean, it was a we for sure. Right. But anyway, yeah, sorry. They, they didn't have any choice in the matter. But um, we moved to another town. Uh, they, My parents bought a house that was because of the – my father's uh, problems with his, his student loans, uh, he couldn't, he had to he had to get a new job every year and the house ended up being uh, well beyond their means to pay for. Uh, so, student, there for about, I mean, sorry, he, his yeah. trouble with his student loans? What did he have, 12 <laughs> doctorates? I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's far, it's far sleazier than that. Um, my father, he won't be, he won't be a truck driver. Right. And he, so he went to a, a truck driving school and he took out a student loan for $5,000. The truck driving school, uh, closed a couple of days before he was to get his, uh, his, um, his, his commercials, commercial driver's license. And he then, he decided that because he did not get his commercial driver's license, that he should not have to pay for the student loan. And instead of getting a lawyer or talking to the company about it or just paying the $5,000, he decided he, it would be a better option to not pay the loan altogether. And later he discovered that's what happened when is that the, the company who the student loan company would go to would uh, go to court and after a while they would garnish his wages uh, for which would force him to pay back the student loan and would and so then he would quit the quit that job and then he'd go to another one and work there until uh, until the point where they would go to, to to garnish his wages and then go to another one et cetera et cetera right. Right. Okay. So, okay, but yeah, go on. I mean, I have a thought about that in your bathing, but we'll come back to that. So go on. Uh, and we lived, we lived in the, uh, beyond our, beyond their means house for about two years with my grandmother who, which caused a, a, a great deal of conflict, which is such a long and which is a bit, a bit long story. So we'll skip over that for now. And because she, well, eventually she moved out. Um, and then we moved to uh, a to the uh, we moved to the country. We li- and we lived there for three years. We they bought a five acre piece of farmland and built and uh, had a a uh, had a trailer put on it. And it was about 
an hour's drive to the uh, the nearest, well, not not to the nearest city, but to the 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 uh, the major city, and probably, but maybe about thirty minutes to the closest you know town with that actually had civilization in it. Uh, we lived there for three years, and then we moved to a. Then we moved back into the city. It was uh, a suburb. Now, I'm sorry to uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, um, yes. but I, I think you're not making the wisest use of our time together. Uh, and I say that you know very gently, just because you're, you're, the the roadmap. You know, I feel like in one of those movies, you know, where they're going across Europe and you're seeing that the the line go from city to city to city, right? But I'm really trying to sort of get why you weren't bathing, not where you moved, if that makes sense. Right, right. Sorry about that. No, no, no problem uh, at all. I just wanted to point that out. I we we lived in this really beautiful apartment, uh, and I had I had my room. I had my own big bathroom, and it had a fitness center where I went. Uh, I started going, uh, and sometimes I would go twice a day. And do really uh, vigorous uh, exercising. And roughly, how old were you at this point? Um, um about sixteen. Okay. Right. right. Okay. And then at that point, I was bathing daily. Right. Right. And I lost about thirty pounds. Well, and and probably more than that, given that you were converting fat to muscle, right? Or muscles much heavier than fat, so you probably lost forty pounds or more of fat. But anyway, okay. So, so then when you had some autonomy and you had uh, some pr uh, pride in your appearance, at least, uh, and you wanted to become fitter and, and leaner or whatever, then you were bathing every day and so on, right? Yes, yes, I was. Okay, so from the dawn of time, your time until sixteen, why weren't you bathing? It's it was just a kind of uh, I, an unpleasant. It was always kind of an unpleasant experience somehow. I, I you know, I, I. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I felt better afterwards, and I enjoyed, you know, cleaning myself, of course. But this, I always hesitated. There's always something that I'd rather do. There's always, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather play a game or or watch a television show or or. Or, or sit and stare at the wall or, or anything than, than, than take a shower or, or that. Your family situation, I mean, I think I understand what you're saying. Your family situation sounds quite driven and chaotic, right? I mean, that you say your father's moving to avoid his student loans uh, and, you know, gets involved in a company without checking its longevity or whatever. I mean, that's a big investment, obviously, if it's important enough for him to keep moving jobs then, right? So, so your father's disorganization and theft, right? I mean, if you take out a loan, you don't pay it back. You might as well have just stolen something from someone's house, right? I mean, that's, that's real income that someone's except losing, he, right? Except he, it's, it's kind of worse than that because he didn't even get the money. He, he gave it all to the school that closed. Well, but that's not that's nothing to do with the people who lent him the money, right? <laughs> right? right, exactly. I mean, right. you, you know, that's that's a life lesson, right? I mean, so uh, how did he square "Thou shalt not steal" with not paying back a loan? 
just the 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 uh, just the the uh, the defense that I just gave you. That, oh well, I, I shouldn't have to pay it back because I didn't I didn't I didn't get what was I didn't get what was 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 promised to me and. Uh, and, and well, that, but I mean, that doesn't, exactly. that's neither here nor there, right? I mean, right. Uh, that doesn't matter. There was nothing in, in the clause of the loans that he signed that said, if you don't get your degree or you don't get to be a trucker, then you don't have to pay this back, right? He knew that going in. You can't make the rules up later, right? Exactly. All right. So uh, respect for your father in regards to this matter, uh, and this is probably just one of a billion uh, because of the religiosity, but respect for your father probably did not hit a big peak uh, as a result of, of you having to move all the time um, because your father was dodging his, his uh, creditors, right? Hmm. Well, not, not when I hit 14 and, and I, I hit that, that kind of that adolescent thing where everything becomes clear and I get incredibly depressed because, well, because of the things listed before. Beforehand, I, I, I guess I always um, gravitate. I always gravitated towards my father more than my mother. I would make a suggestion here that is a complete pitch in the dark. Complete pitch in the dark. When you were a kid let's say six or seven years old, were you at all aware, I'm not saying completely, but were you at all aware that when you were still in school, that, that your family was different from other families? Yes. Okay. Did you talk to anyone about that difference or ask questions or did anyone ask you? I remember, um, I remember vaguely being asked about the Jehovah's Witness thing, like everybody kind of knew it. And I remember that I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to, you know, take part in the Valentine's Day things or, or, or the, the uh, Christmas or Halloween, any kind of holiday yeah, pagan activities. nonsense, right? Yeah. Okay. And I re I also remember during Valentine's Day, I would, I would sit in the room and, and people would, uh, give me valentines and would give me gifts and that sort of thing and I had the trash can under my desk and I would um, I would throw them away in, in, in front of them right okay so you knew that your family was different but society, the society that you were in right I mean did you go over to other kids houses at all no no I I I, wa I wanted to, but I didn't think my parents would approve of something like that. Okay. I'm going to put forward a theory, which is nothing but a theory, right? And, and, you know, if it gives you some goosebumps, maybe it's worth exploring. If it doesn't, then just toss it aside as, you know, internet rambling nonsense. But I'm going to put forward a theory here, and you can tell me what you think. I think that children communicate very powerfully. I think that you can repress a child in any way that you want, but the truth is going to come out. The truth is going to com be communicated in some manner or another. And my guess is that you didn't bathe because 
you wanted help, right? Because you, you smelled up the school because you wanted to communicate that your mind was rotting, that you were in desperate circumstances, that you were in a cult. That you wanted to communicate that and you couldn't say it, but your body could say it. Your body could say, I'm in enormous distress here. I need help. I need society to step in and do something here. Hmm. Will somebody notice that I'm smelly? I'm not saying any of this was conscious. Right, which, yeah. which again, I know that there's no way to prove it, or and it is nothing to do. This is just something to explore within your own mind. I, I would never underestimate the degree of communication, brilliance, and intelligence that we have as children. I say this as a dad, right? So, I mean, my daughter's smarter than I am in so many ways, right? And she is, she is technically and and statistically a complete genius at the moment, just because she's learning so much so quickly, and she communicates very clearly with no language. Very clearly. I believe that we have that capacity for full body communication. We all know 90% of communication is nonverbal, right? So when a child is not allowed to say something, the body enacts what the child can't say. Sometimes that's weight gain. Sometimes that's bad clothing. Sometimes that's body odor. Sometimes that's an awkward, hunched, geeky posture. Sometimes that's inappropriate social gestures, laughing at the wrong time, getting angry at the wrong time. All of these are ways of saying, I'm in distress, I'm in significant distress, and this is the only way that I can communicate it. And the reason we do that as children is that we want to know when we're children, is there anybody out there who can hear what my body is saying. Is there anybody out there? Because if there's nobody out there that we can build a bridge to to get some help in our family situations, then it's better not to try because we're going to get so fucking depressed that we won't be able to get out of bed if we realize that there's nobody in the world who's going to help us. So we put out these smoke signals. We put out these drum beats in the jungle, a way to try and communicate to float up a balloon, a trial balloon, to say, does anybody notice that I smell? Does anybody care that I smell? Does any, is anybody curious why I smell? Is there anybody out there? Or do I live in the land of the dead? Do I live in the land of the self-absorbed? Do I live in the land of the course of careless people? who only say that they care? Do I live in the land of myopic, selfish people who won't reach out to take a child's hand and say, what are you telling me with this smell? What is in your life that this is what, this is how you are in the world? What is in your family that this is how you are in the world? How are you not loved that this is how you are in the world? Right, Because you see, the YouTube posts are just another form of body odor, right? 
The chat room comments is just another form of body odor. It's a way of saying, is there anybody out there who gives a living shit about my experience as a child, about who I am and where I am as an adult, about the path that put me in this place, about the people who pushed me into this place, about everything that I didn't learn as a child, every true thing that was withheld from me, every false thing that was inflicted upon me. Does anybody care? Is there anybody out there who gives a shit? Or is it all just words and games and shallow, shiny bullshit? I don't know. That's the thoughts that I'm having. Whether they make any sense to you or not, I don't know. Well, <laughs> they they do make a lot of sense. Um, mm. And... Because the, the the answer to that question that that I was asking that would 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 have been no, there wasn't. At least I didn't meet them. No, I'm sure that they weren't. Because if they were, you you would you would remember that person more than you would remember yourself, because that person would have given you something like yourself. Uh, I do actually. I do remember someone who who. He uh, he worked with my mother. He was the IT guy, and he I, I got he 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 really wanted me to spend the day with him for some reason. And unfortunately, I didn't get to spend the whole day with him because he was busy. But I remember he did get the chance to tell me something that that stuck with me for many years. He, he told me to never trust magic. There's, uh -huh. there's always always a reason behind something. And to, to never be satisfied with um, the with that answer, just saying it's it's magic. You know that's that's Scooby Doo I, philosophy, but that's not a bad thing for a kid to hear, right? Yeah. Well, you know, they had a few minutes. Yeah. No. No. Listen, came. I I I know. I mean, but at least somebody was saying something to you that that was meaningful, that that had some depth, that had some some impact, that had some utility. At least you could sit there and think about that. As, as saying, well, maybe empiricism beats superstition, right? That's something, something, right? I mean, and, and the reason, I mean, I'm sorry to keep talking and I'll, I'll shut up in a minute or two, but I just, I just wanted to point this out because, um, I mean, I, I've, I've been taking my daughter for the last couple of days to the library um, because they have a play area and there are other kids and, you know, she, it's nice for her to get out of the house and so on. She really likes the play area, so... So we've been taking her. And, oh, my God, it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, the kids are nice. The play area is nice. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's a fairly classy neighborhood. So, you know, I mean, some, some you know, we don't have, like, homeless people eating their own toes in the corner or anything. <laughs> but I swear to God, I'm, I'm the only parent who's in there playing, right? I mean, Isabella goes down to play. I will go down to play with her. I'm not... There, there have been kids who, every time I've gone, there are a number of kids who just glom onto me. They just, they just glom onto me. And I don't know where the hell their parents are. You're not supposed to leave your kids unsupervised in the library, right? I ask them, where are your parents? Oh, he's off, he's at the computer, or he's, you know, he's, he had to take a phone call, and they're gone for like an hour, right? And then they just kind of come back. Or there are parents sitting in a ring around, right? Some of them are... I don't know, on their iPods or some of them are 
reading magazines. One of them was napping, um, and and some of them are are uh, talking to to each other. And and what they do is they they talk to each other and they just bark these commands at their kids. Right, put that down. Just share. Just share. Don't make me come over there. Put that you know put that away. Don't pull that out. Don't grab that from him. It's just constant stream of of just commands. And I mean, I'm down in there playing with uh, with Isabella, and the kids. I feel like I'm being swarmed. Like, oh my God, there's an adult here who actually is interested in his kid and who wants to play with his kid. Now, I don't want to paint these parents with too broad a brush because I've only been a couple of times and I don't know their backstories. But to me, it's just there's such a loneliness for adult company. There's such a loneliness for uh, adult interaction. There's such a loneliness for being loved in kids that it's uh it's tough i mean i feel really bad i i want to go and play with my daughter but there are all these other kids who want my attention and it's it there's a lot of loneliness in childhood a lot of loneliness a lot of feelings of rejection a lot of feelings like you you have to really woo your parents which is crazy you shouldn't have to woo your parents right i mean they should they should anyway so I just wanted to point out that I mean this is partly why I've been thinking of this stuff because it is, I mean this is a, this is a good neighborhood these are educated people, and it's like I don't understand why the fuck would you have the children if you don't want to get on the floor and play with them I don't understand that, it's like marrying someone and then going to live in another country. Well, that could have to do with immigration, Max. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. It all, good, dodge. That, good dodge, my friend. <laughs> a little joke will uh, prevent the feeling. Right. <laughs> uh, but I, all that sounds incredibly familiar. As my mother would, she was a uh, she was an on-site manager, and sometimes she would go to other apartment complex for God knows what reason, or I guess God doesn't know, but because it doesn't exist. But um, but she would drag me along and I would sit there in these offices for just hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and being, well, it's just being bored to death and listening to the worst nineties rock and just uh, playing in the background. And, and, and in the, in the transitions of, of me driving, driving home with her, those were like the, those were the good memories that I had with her. And, not of her playing anything, doing anything with me. I could never get her to do anything with me. So she didn't, uh, she didn't play with you or no, no, never. I don't remember her ever doing that. My dad was the only one who would just play a video game or two with me or, or, or color with me or something like that. But even that was like not a whole lot of that. And that's not quite the same as playing with you. If that makes any right. sense, like sitting there playing a video, I mean, it's not like it's bad. It's just it's not quite the same as playing with you, right? Yeah, it's like watching a movie with a friend is not the same as going out for dinner or face to face talking. And there's nothing wrong with going to see a movie, but it's just not quite the same, right? And having that is the is the only thing, right? It's... Right, right, right. See, when kids are angry and. I know we're jumping around a lot, but I'm trying to pick up on the stuff that you'd said earlier, right? Because you said that you were taken out of school because you were angry. And that's not even remotely true as a statement, but we can get back to that if you like, in my opinion. But um, when, you know, when, when we grow up with this 
this ache of loneliness and invisibility and emptiness in her familial environments. And you had the additional pressure of crazy superstition forced upon you, inflicted upon you. Um, we, we get angry, you know, at the world more so than we get angry almost at our parents, if that makes any sense. And, and the metaphor for me would be, you know, if, um, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm being, uh, if I'm a kid and, and there's some dog that's growling at me and menacing me and there's some big man who could lift me over a hedge and the big man doesn't lift me over the hedge, uh, who am I more angry at? The dog or the man? Um, I, I suppose you'd be more angry at the dog. <laughs> I wouldn't be more angry at the dog. I would be more angry at the man who was refusing to help me. Now, maybe I'm, I don't want to, again, this is my feeling, because the dog's not, the dog's just a dog, right? I can't blame the dog. The dog's just a dog. Right? But the, the man is the one who can see and observe and has the ethics of the situation and is more objective and is outside this immediate interaction, right? Now, you sound completely unconvinced, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and I don't want to just drive oh. on the, like, like you haven't oh. been convinced. And I'm not saying that this is the final answer, but I'm saying that I would be more angry at the man who wasn't saving me when he could do so quite easily rather than the dog who was menacing me. Yeah, you're, you're right. I wasn't unconvinced. I just, um, um, I don't know. You don't like where it's going? It's that, Stop! I'm no, going to no, be no. different until you pause. <laughs> no, no, I just... Uh, I, I'm just sometimes I'm not sure what to say. And just, well, just be honest. I mean, if you don't think that, that, that it's true, then, you know, that's my metaphor doesn't work and we'll find something else and whatever, right? But So just be honest. I mean, if, if you would be more angry at the dog, that's fine. But, but you at least would have some anger at the man, right? Well, just, just thinking how, uh, just trying to think back to when I was a child, I, I probably, the, the man would probably be saying how evil and horrible the dog is, and then it make me try to make me angry with the dog rather than him for him for. You know, ah, right, up. right, right. Well, I'm really glad we paused then because that's very, very important. And then you would end up being angry at the dog in a sense, but. I mean, obviously, in, a, in an objective way, you'd be more angry at the people who were blaming you. Right. Okay. Okay. So, the secondary backup theory, right, is that um, – because you're acting out against the world, right? At least you were up until a couple of weeks ago in this context, right, of this, of this show or whatever. Again, I don't want to speak about your whole life, of course, right? But you were acting out against the world, right? And that has to be based upon the premise that nobody is innocent, right? That everybody who you piss off or insult or confuse or, or baffle or annoy or whatever you do, right? That everybody who you do that to has got it coming because nobody is innocent, right? Right. Now, where would the child... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I wouldn't have insulted them if they were... 
they were innocent. I, I don't. I don't think I would at least. No, you wouldn't have. There is a I, moral I theory that justifies everything. That's the basis of UPB. There is a moral theory that everybody has to use to justify their actions. Right? You have a moral theory. I'm not saying it's conscious, right? But you have a moral theory that justifies what you do. And that moral theory has to be something like nobody is innocent. Which is why you can lash out at anonymous anybody. You don't know who these people are, right? But everybody is guilty. And I sympathize with you. I really, really do. I sympathize with you from that perspective very strongly. Because when you think about what happened to you as a child and how everybody ignored the fact that your parents were religious crazies, that you smelled, that you were pulled out of school, nobody chased you down and found out what the hell was going on at home all those years. Out of the and, and you moved from place to place, so you had exposure to a lot of people, right? It wasn't like you were just in one backwards cave, right? No, I was in several caves. Yeah, well, several caves, right? I, I kind of just huddled in. I, I, I huddled in those caves, and, right? With the exception of living out in the country, which I was was forcibly just away from everyone, right? Even though I was getting, I was going older and feeling more more lonely I, I really didn't have a choice at that point right right so so you went through a huge degree of distress as a child and lots of people knew you as a child and couldn't help but notice to some degree that you were going through distress even if all they did was found you smelly, right? And so given that nobody did help you, nobody did intervene, nobody did try to do anything, in your experience, who is innocent of the crime of not reaching over the hedge and pulling you out? I don't mean out of your family, but I'm just giving you that sympathetic intervention. Even if they couldn't do anything about the actual situation, giving that sympathetic intervention. Who is yeah. innocent in that history that you've had? Who helped? Who said anything? You said no one, right? Right. And conversely, conversely, for the deficiencies in your upbringing that you were trying to communicate to the world, who said, his parents don't bathe him, we should do something? No, no. What do they say instead? You're smelly. Right? Right. You see the difference? Or I'd, or I'd get detention. Or... Yeah, you, you would be punished. You would be punished for what your parents were doing to you. As far as my, so far as my parents told me, they wanted to, uh, the reason that uh, they, one of the reasons that they took me out was because the school wanted to, wanted me to uh, be put on uh, Ritalin. Right. 
Well, the, the look, the Ritalin discussion is another vile piece of modern social crap, right? So we don't have to get into right. that right now. But right, rather than saying why are the children unable to concentrate, what's wrong with the family and school environment, right? It's easier to to drug them. Anyway, we don't have to get into that. That's a whole other topic and not one that's relevant to your history. But I mean, it is, but it's not central, right? Right. But not, not only the children not get the help that they need based upon deficiencies within their parenting, but they're blamed for the effects of that. Right? Kids who were fat are fat, in my opinion, largely because of dysfunction within the family. Parents who don't set boundaries, parents who, kids are stressed, right? There's this conflict between the parents. They eat to self-soothing, right? And it's, it's lots of complicated things, but it's not just because kids wake up one day and say, I want to put on 20 pounds, right? Right. And so the kids, the bodies are communicating this distress. I'm overeating. Please, somebody ask me why. I'm overeating. Please, dear God, somebody ask me why. Somebody help me. And after that's not a while, what I, I'm sorry? I said, um, after a while, I didn't even have to, I, I used to have to ask if I could have something extra. And it, it, I'd always be you know, told yes. But after a while, I didn't even have to have to have to do that. I just went to the refrigerator or the cupboard. Right. And you went to the refrigerator, I would say, for the same reason that you didn't pay, because you want people to notice that you're not well, that you're not doing well. And instead, what happens to the kids who are overweight as a result of family stressors? What? What do the other kids do to them? I just said, I'm just attacked. Yeah, you're fatty, fat ass, lard butt, right? And so basically the children are saying to the other children or to the society or the family, sorry, to the society as a whole, the children are saying, look, I have a big wound on my arm here and everybody just comes along and takes a long, slow piss into the wound. And then we wonder why people grow up angry at the world. To me, it's not, I mean, knowing your history, I can't imagine it would be anything different for you. Why would you not be enraged at the world? It would be inconceivable that you wouldn't be, to me. It's hard, it's hard to sometimes think about the, the anger that I took out on everyone and, 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 and not blame myself for that. Well, look, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't take responsibility for it, but I think you should be curious and sympathetic towards your own anger. That doesn't mean that you get to go scream at people, right? Because that's just reenacting what was done to you, right? I mean, but what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, look, I've got a whole shit of, I've got a shitload of unprocessed abuse that I'm going to keep inflicting on people until somebody stops pissing in my wound and gets me a fucking Band-Aid. I mean, the degree to which human beings do not ask each other, how was your childhood? Where did you come from? What were your influences? How, you know, or, or look at, you know, present behavior and see it going, you know, like a tree root right into the center of the earth. 
that they don't look and see this behavior going all the way down to the center of the earth, into the history, into the childhood, into the early experiences, which scientifically is, is the case, right? I don't, I don't just make this stuff up, right? I mean, scientifically, this is the case. Uh, you know, that, that our brains are formed by these. It doesn't mean that they can't change, but it means it gets more challenging to change as we get older. Right? And I don't think that... I know I haven't until this community, right? But I, I don't think that we live in a world where people say, where did you come from and how did it influence you? And, oh my God, that's terrible. Or, oh my gosh, and God, good, oh my goodness, that's great. Or whatever. I don't think you live in a world where people have sympathy for what you went through as a kid. I saw on you know, television the other day, people were talking about how their, their, their parents, quote unquote, disciplined them by doing those horrible things to them. And they, they just be laughing and like they were reminiscing about a good movie that they saw. Well, the real tragedy and why people don't intervene is they think people think these people are talking about the past. They're not. They're talking about the future. They're talking about what they're going to do to their own kids. And that would make people want to intervene if they understood that. These people are not reminiscing. It's precognition. It's planning. At that point. But I, I, know, it's a, I know it's a tough thing to do. But, but you're on the other side of the curtain now, right? I mean, you wrote me this email, and it's not like that's the only thing, right? But obviously, there's other things going on in your life. But you're on the other side of the curtain now. You can't be that person who didn't write me that email or the person who didn't have this conversation, right? Which is not to say this changes your life or anything, but, but you're on the other side of the curtain now. So I think what you can do is you can look at yourself and say, what was I trying to communicate and why? Right. What you're trying to communicate is I'm really, really angry at the world. And then people will have one of three reactions to that usually. Either they'll dismiss you, they and you, you, no response, right? Which is can be it's it's, it's very provo provocative. Or they'll call you crazy, right? Oh, you're just an angry person, right? You're just a bitter and angry person, right? Or they'll they'll ascribe it to some little thing, you know. Oh, you, you know, you didn't win the lottery, that's why you're angry, I mean, whatever, right? They'll describe it to some little thing and basically say you're insane, right? Or they'll say, I believe that human emotion serves a purpose. I don't believe that human emotion attaches itself, you know, like a remora to a shark's jaw just for the hell of it, right? I believe that human emotion serves a very real purpose and tells us very real truths about the world and our experience of it. And if you're angry at the world, I'm going to go with the idea that you have damn good reasons to be angry at the world. And I'd like to know what they are. Because I don't think you're crazy. And I don't think it's nothing. I can't think of anyone I dislike enough to wish one-tenth of one percent of your childhood on them. There's not enough hate in the world to wish that upon an innocent child. But that's, but that's what happened, right?
And then you go through life bouncing off this indifference and you're crazy and not one simple set of open arms, right? right. To say, man, what happened to you is terrible. It's terrible. And you have every right to be angry at the world that has never said that to you. I even had a, uh, I even had a therapist, who's a social worker, and never, never really, never really talked about my childhood. I mean, just kind of dealing with the, the here and now, day to day sort of thing, instead of getting, getting to the roots of those things. Right, and this is this is the difference between a conversation like this and therapy, right? See. Most therapists, you know, what the hell do I know? I can't speak for most therapists. But in my opinion, most therapists, you know, on hearing the religious stuff, they won't have the philosophical clarity to know that that's just superstitious, bigoted, prejudicial cultism. She was a Baptist. Well, so what the fuck is she going to know about religion? (laughs) Clarity. She's not going to ask you about her childhood. Sorry. She's not going to ask you about your childhood because it's got something to do with her childhood, right? So she's not going to, I can go there because I have the philosophical clarity to know that it was all just terrifying, vile uh, lies that were, were, were poured into you. And I'm not saying that your parents, you know, sat there like evil Fu Manchu characters and, ah, we're going to lie about this and we're going to, right? But the life unexamined is inflicted, right? And, and they didn't examine and so they ended up inflicted, which, which is where you were heading, right? So, I mean, this is, this is what's different is that I, I, I think, I mean, I hope that I can bring, you know, the two things, moral clarity and sympathy is the two things I always try to bring to these kinds of conversations, moral clarity and sympathy. The moral clarity is, man, oh man, oh man alive, right? It was, it was absolutely wretched. Your childhood was, I mean, I'd trade a year of my life to not live one day of your childhood. And, and the sympathy, right? So moral clarity that it was wretched and, and the sympathy. Now, I think some therapists will bring the th- sympathy, I guess, but I don't know particularly what that means without the moral clarity. Lying is uh, immoral, and you don't lie to children about gods and ghosts and demons and hells and all that. You just, you just don't. You just don't. Interesting that I, I I thought my parents were above that because you know they always told me that Santa Claus didn't exist and that the Tooth Fairy didn't exist and things like that. So, oh yeah, and I bet like, you they told you that Zeus didn't exist if you would ask as well. But that's just competing yeah. jobs. That's just competing gods, right? Not because they have any principles. They just don't like the competition. Yeah. It's like when when Hitler uh, talks about uh, the propaganda of everyone else. Oh yeah, he's this competing propaganda he doesn't like, right? Like your parents say, well, all these other parents are really bad, right? Uh, anyway, listen, I don't want—I don't want to keep you up all night because oh, it's, it's my job, but it may not be yours, right? In the afternoon. Oh, it's afternoon. But uh, listen, I—I I mean, I, again, respectful of your time. Is there? Is, uh, tell, tell me what your experience of the conversation has been. Uh, oh, that's a hard question. 
um, it's been well. It's been uh, illuminating. I mean, it's it's going to take me some time to, you know, kind of digest it and and have it and and get it to click. That usually 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 does. But um, uh, you give me a lot of things that to think about that I that I haven't before. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I get the sense that you're a pretty intellectual fellow, which obviously I'm not going to have any problem with because that describes me to a T as well. But, you know, my suggestion would be that, that it may be a bit more of a, a feeling and remembering than a thinking, if that makes any sense. I mean, the thinking is useful and helpful, but, you know, we, we, we people with the double D cups uh, uh, foreheads, right? I mean, we have to be careful that we don't analyze and overthink, right? And then it all turns, our souls turn to dust in our hands, which we then classify nicely as dust, right? <laughs> Does yes. your partner agree with me? Uh, is that, is that something <laughs> yeah. that you may have experienced it once or twice in the past? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't let him don't let him just analyze it. Right. It's 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 a feeling thing. Right. Get him to you know uh, get some massages. Talk to a, a a reasonable atheist therapist who's gonna you know help and you know but but don't let him just say ah oh, I think I've got it classified in my nice little box and we'll put it up there with the with the butterflies with the swords through their hearts and uh, away we go into the future, right? Don't don't let them do that because this is a lot to deal with. Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of what I've been doing. <laughs> right. It has been and it hasn't worked, right? Because, again, after a couple of weeks ago, you were, were trolling the internet, which is not, you know, which is, I, I think, I, I mean, again, I understand it and I, I have sympathy uh, for it. I really do. But um, not everyone is not everyone is guilty. Well, I, I just stop trolling before that, but sometimes you know I throw in some some insults to things. Usually not on the internet because I haven't been online as much, but uh, you know, just kind of in private. Oh, look at that asshole! I don't know if he's an asshole. Maybe he is, but that sort of thing. I've been I've been really really trying very hard not to to do that. Right, and that won't work. Right. There's no white knuckle willpower thing that's going to change. You mean self-knowledge, self-understanding, sympathy for history. That is what changes lives, not uh, uh, not. uh, Well, I'll just, you know, I'll I'll put this big piece of rope between my teeth so I don't say anything. Right. That's not going to be what's going to, you know, that's just white knuckling stuff. And it doesn't really seem to work at all. In fact, uh, people have uh, there's been studies done that people who try, uh, you know, if people who are paid to do better in a test and have a real incentive to do better in a test, do worse than normal, right? Trying to do stuff uh, is is very often completely, can- you end up with the exact opposite. You you maybe get very short bursts of, of efficacy, but then you always backslide and sometimes even worse, right? So, uh, you know, you got to go in deep, you got to go into self-knowledge and figure out this anger you have towards the world without thinking that it's crazy, but without acting on it, right? That's, that's the tough part. That's the ambivalent part, right? It's like, no, you're not crazy. You know, the world didn't fucking help you and that's really shitty. And there were lots of people who flowed through your life who didn't have a shred of sympathy for you and they damn well should have. And you were very clear about it in terms of the way you communicated it in very many ways. So it's completely, you've got a lot to be angry about and to have sympathy for your own anger, to accept that your own anger is valid and that there's a lot to be angry about in a world that lets that happen to a child and doesn't intervene in any way, even in a, I can't do anything but here's a pat on the shoulder and I get it, right? Um, you've got a lot to be angry about. Be sympathetic towards that anger. That that anger does tell you something very important about the world. But lashing out 
isn't going to solve the problems. It's just going to make the problems worse for the next generation. So we all end up angry until the end of time, right? Then the sun gets angry and blows us all up or something. I think that I'm no, I'm no astronomer, but I think that's what happens. <laughs> well, uh, isn't, um, you know, trying, trying not to lash out. Isn't that, uh, still the, the white knuckle, you know, willpower thing? No, no. Look, I mean, uh, that's an, that's a completely excellent question. So I'm afraid I'm out of time. No, I mean, that is a, that's a great <laughs> question. That's a great question. But um, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever read uh, or listened to – it's a free book I got called Real-Time Relationships. Um, I'm halfway, I'm halfway through it, I swear. Um, okay. Oh. I swear. All right. Uh, don't swear. <laughs> but, uh, I, I have, no, I mean, I've, I've read, uh, I've read uh, about a quarter of it so far. Okay. Well, I mean, just keep plugging on it because the challenge there is like – sorry, I don't mean to yell at you. The challenge, the, the challenge there is um, – <laughs> Is, is, you know, let's say you have the urge to lash out at your partner. I know that nobody ever does that to somebody they're intimate with. But let's say that at some point in the future you did have that urge. You don't act out, right? You speak out, right? You say, I have a very strong urge to lash out at you right now. You don't act it out, right? You're honest about your feelings. I really feel angry. I really feel like I want to say something hurtful. That's an honest statement. So I'm not telling you to bottle it up. That's not healthy, Right. But yeah. to act it out is not healthy, right? So you speak it out. You don't act it out. You say, this is what I'm thinking and feeling. This is my urge. This is my impulse. And I don't know why I'm feeling it, right? Because if you did know why, the impulse probably wouldn't be there. Or at least it wouldn't be so strong. So, you know, you, you can write a long YouTube comment saying, I really feel a strong urge to piss everyone off and engage them. <laughs> or you can come into the Sunday show and say, I really feel a strong urge to, uh, to, to disrupt the proceedings here. Um, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> or you can call me on the Sunday show and say, Steph, you're really pissing me off. I've got the strong urge to do X, Y, and Z, and I don't know why. And we can talk about it, right? But but that's – so I'm not saying pretend the feelings aren't there. I'm just saying be honest about the feelings but don't act them out because that's just a way of ignoring them. I, I, okay. I, I, uh, I understand. Now that, is a, that, is a, that is quite a big difference. Um, okay. <laughs> I've – I thought you totally <laughs> cornered me there. I'm like, shit, I'm fucked. I got no oh wait, no, I do. I have a book about it. Yay. Been a while since I read it, but I knew there was an answer somewhere. I've 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 done some of that with my partner, but it, it's 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 hard because I like I'm afraid that I'll be attacked for it. Of course I, I never am by him, but I, yeah, I, but I you still might get attacked by yourself or right? that's real too, right? All right. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I really appreciate, I really, really appreciate, I really, really appreciate you sending me that email, and I really appreciate your your honesty and your openness in this conversation, um, because uh, I, you know, I've had a lot of curiosity about this, and uh, it was completely selfish of me to, to want to satisfy my curiosity with you, oh, no. as the guinea pig. But uh, I really, really do appreciate it because uh, I mean, this doesn't answer everybody's questions about everybody who's difficult on the internet, but. Um, uh, it really has helped me to, to, to view that, uh, those comments as in, in a different light. And I'm sure that will help me in the future as well. And I, I really, not your comments, but you know, comments in general, I really appreciate that. Well, the appreciation is, is, is mutual. And do you mind, uh, I mean, is this an okay to, thing to have as a podcast that we didn't use any names or locations or anything? So I don't think anyone will know uh, who you are. I can cut out your YouTube username if you care about that at all. Oh no, I, I, I don't I don't care about that. If anything, it'd give me more fame. 
fame baby that's right that's right and i gotta tell you i gotta tell you one other thing that just before we we go just so you'll you'll appreciate this i think as an extra um that just at the very beginning of this conversation i thought that you were going to start telling me about whatever you know x y and z and then you were going to say something like and and then I want you to shove a sea anemone up my ass and suck my dick or something like that. You know, that I thought this thing might be a whole elaborate punk troll setup, or like this big letter of apology, and then you know, like all this. I thought, I thought, what if he's that genius a troll? But, but set this thing up for weeks, so just so he can say some foul shit into my ear or something like that. I like, I thought, I, I just, and I thought, no, 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 don't be paranoid. But it could happen. I'm just saying, you know, because I mean, there are people on the other Sunday show. They think stuck on the line for 40 minutes just to say some stupid shit on <laughs> I thought if he's truly an evil troll genius like if he's like the troll genius like he's got the hydra with 12 heads or something you know like he will actually have planned this out that beautifully and then I thought get over yourself you're not that important in the world. <laughs> anyway I just wanted to point that out that I thought that that was a possibility fortunately my my hairline has not receded quite enough for me to be that brilliant <laughs> well that's hey no <laughs> uh, that's the an enemy I think I felt that going up anyway i really do appreciate your time and and uh, uh do, do keep us posted uh, of course and um uh, i hope that you again don't actualize and try and talk talk stuff out and i think you'll you'll be great and i i really do appreciate uh, the time thank you so much thank Steph. you sir. all right bye dudes bye, bye.